This episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera is dedicated to the memory of Miss Jalissa P. Rivera. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. That's right, it's Unbothered by Ty Rivera. It's a sad day here at Rivera Manor, Casa de Bijou, Location 3, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what you call this place. Christopher's Castle was one name that we had spitballed around here, me and Bijou. Me and Bijou do a lot of brainstorming. Bijou was actually the brains in this outfit. She's not only the brains, she's also the money. She's also the looks. Bijou was everything. She's currently supposed to be enjoying a Whimsy's Alligator. Whimsy's Alligator is the never-to-be-sponsor of Unbothered by Ty Rivera, but we still give them a shout-out anyway, and we still put our Amazon affiliates link for Whimsy's Alligators down below in the description box. But never mind that, because I had a steak last night, and I always give Bijou the bone, and I know there's some debate about whether or not you should give bones. My dog is a dog. She's going to have a bone every once in a while, is what it is. She has a whimsy. I gave her a whimsy, but she just decided to stash it somewhere in her bed, and I see she's working on that bone right now. With any luck, I'll be working on a bone, that, just playing, just playing. Anyway, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of deliciousness, Carla's homemade salsa. That is the official sponsor of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. And you know, also, I should mention Cindy Calderon. I just mentioned her name because she comments on stuff, and I know she's not private like that now. She's private, but not private like that. Cindy Calderon, thank you very much for sending Bijou whimsies. Cindy Calderon has been very nice, very cool, very supportive of everything I've done. And I just want to give credit where it's due. And I know that she's not going to let you mooches get to her anyway. If you hit her up, you're like, why don't you eat a dick? Why don't you get a talent? Anyway, um, thank you, Cindy. I definitely do appreciate you. But Carla's Homemade Salsa, I'm back on it because there was no riff between me and Carla's Homemade Salsa. I love Carla's Homemade Salsa. But I was in Little Rock, Arkansas over the weekend. Well, the whole last week because the way that it worked out was flights have gone back to their normal price and maybe a little bit higher than they used to be. So the way that it was going to work out best because I had to be there on Wednesday anyway, it was a long comedy week. It was a Wednesday to Sunday. Usually you do Thursday to Sunday or Thursday to Saturday, depending on the club. But this one was Wednesday to Sunday. And the only, you know, the options were limited as far as inexpensive flights and I'm not going to pay ridiculous money to fly out to Little Rock, Arkansas. I was doing the Looney Bin, which I do like the Looney Bin comedy chains. I feel like they're the best chain, like they're the best suited chain for me because they tend to be in quote unquote redneck areas. So, you know, Little Rock, Arkansas, Wichita, Kansas, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Those are the locations for the loony bins. And so I really like working those chains, but, uh, I w was looking for a flight and what happened was 
the only flight that was going to work out was going to be like a 1 a.m. flight on Tuesday, which we all know 1 a.m. really means Monday night is what that means. And so I had to fly out on Monday night and then I was gone until the following Monday at I think I flew in at 5 p.m., which turned out to be a blessing. I'm going to tell you guys the way this all worked out, and I'm going to tell you guys where I'm at with everything and the way that things worked out for me in Little Rock. Here's the thing that happened for me in Little Rock. I had really great sets. Every show was super duper fun. The Sunday show, which there was some debate over whether or not we should have had a Sunday show in the first place just because it's Memorial Day weekend or it was Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, a lot of people, especially with the way the weather was in Little Rock, aren't going to want to be indoors in a comedy club when they can be grilling or on a lake or doing something fun like that. So there was a little debate over whether or not we should have had it anyway. And it turned out to be an audience of six people. I had a good time with the six people. I had a good time in Little Rock in general. But the thing I've been doing lately, and I know we haven't had a chance to catch up with the one-on-ones because I've been doing the um, guest episodes. And Technically, I have a guest episode right now, but I just haven't edited it yet. And the other thing that's holding me back is there's a little bit of controversy with the person that I recorded with, which usually, you know me, I'll dive right in with controversy. I don't care about controversy that way. I'll post whatever I want to post. I do what I want. But um, what happened was I'm kind of torn in this situation, and this is kind of rare for me but you'll end up seeing on the episode because what happened was I'm friends with this guy his name's Alex Elkin he's a comedian and I don't want to throw him under the bus in any way but at the same time I'm in a little bit of a conundrum a perplexing situation let's say because since we recorded the podcast he said at least one thing that I really don't agree with. And then on the on the podcast, I was feeling a little cheated in the conversation just because you know what unbothered is about. You come on and you get unbothered. So spill it, bitch. Let's get the tea. But he's was doing that thing that sometimes people do, which I I will be honest when I say that I don't respect this move. And if any of you know Alex Elkin and you decide to tell him that I'm saying this, tell him. I'll probably send him a text message or something that just kind of says that I was talking about this today. Because I'm going to say something similar on the preamble, for lack of a better term, that I'm going to have to put on the next episode, which is going to be the episode with he and I having our conversation. And I'm not going to edit anything out of the conversation at all just because I want it to be a fair representation of exactly what happened. You know, I've already talked about it before. On the guest episodes, I really don't edit just because if I'm editing my own stuff, I'm fine with editing it which I try to do as few edits as possible, but sometimes I'm too much with the um and and whatever else, you know, verbal fillers that I do that I come up with. 
and I get annoyed with those sometimes. So sometimes I'll edit those out. But I really don't like to do a lot of editing even on my own because I feel like, okay, this is all going to make sense. Now, when I do the daily videos, that's a lot of editing sometimes because sometimes I'm like, I want this over here and I should have talked about that there. That would be better fit right here. And so on the dailies, there's a lot of episode or a lot of editing. But I haven't done a daily in a while. I need to get back to the dailies. But I've got so much going on right now. Anyway, let me let me do first things first here okay so what happened was i had alex elkin on he's having a situation where the internet is trying to get him canceled or a certain faction of the internet is trying to get him canceled and i like him i've known him for years i want to say 15 years that i've known alex elkin and he's a family man and i don't think he deserved deserves to be canceled but at the same time, when he came on the episode, which I really, that was the day that I was supposed to fly out, and I really made a lot of efforts to make that happen. Because, And I admit fully, I pursued him because I wanted to have that conversation. But he didn't tell me that he wasn't necessarily going to be open to having the conversation in the most honest way. Because what happens is, and you'll see it on the episode, I... I'm asking him about why they're trying to cancel him. And he's saying it's just because he used the word patriots in the title. And then, but I also follow him on social media. So I know that he'll put some memes out there that are kind of inflammatory. So my thinking is, and obviously if I've seen the memes before, it's not like I'm going to have a problem with them because for the most part, I've seen a lot of his stuff. So I don't really think he was going to blindside me with anything or I was going to turn into an awkward situation. It just would have been like, oh, okay, well, so that's what it is that quote unquote triggered them. Then things make more sense. But You'll hear on the episode, he keeps dodging the question or not say, just saying that it wasn't anything like that. And then at one point he cops to it and he was like, I said something like, and it's like, just admit what you did. Just say, look, I was trolling. And sometimes I like to really get under people's skin when I'm trolling. So I'll say these inflammatory things. And I did that and they got mad and bam. And then it's like, oh, okay. But then when it comes to that, it's like I can't really full on defend you because if I don't feel like you've told me the story, I don't know what I'm defending exactly. And maybe I did miss a meme or something like that. I've had a few friends do that. And I'm going to admit, I really don't like the tactics of the left when it comes to the way that they do their cancellations of people because they'll go through every friend that supports that person they'll start posting like screenshots of the people that have liked different posts and sometimes the post had nothing to do with the thing that they're trying to cancel them about but just the fact that anybody is still supporting this person that, that anybody would have the nerve to be friends with this person after we've told you that he's terrible and he's a proud boy which i really don't believe he's a proud boy um but We've told you he's all of these terrible things. So how could you possibly like him? I guess you need to be canceled too. I guess we need to comb your social media and try to find something to get you banned on. And these no lives, this is the way that they operate. And I just can't get down with it. But then what some of my friends on the right do, which I can't respect either, is that some of my friends on the right, I've seen them do it before where they'll be like, they just were mad because I was exercising my freedom of speech and I'll be like I follow you on social media and some of those 
memes that you were sharing were actually racist or had racist undertones or racist overtones, depending on how you want to put it. So I don't know why you just don't admit like, yeah, I posted something that could be construed as racist because I really wanted to get under their skin and something like that. I can understand. I've done stuff like that before and not because I was trying to really get under, but any excuse me, get under anybody's skin. It was really because I wanted to have a particular conversation. But also when I do something like that, it's a bit different because I am a person of color. And especially if it's a quote unquote racist meme towards Mexicans, <clears throat> excuse me, or Latinos, and I want to have this conversation. Sometimes I feel like some of those conversations are important to have as a person of color. Now, do I still get in trouble over it when I do it? Or have I gotten in trouble over it when I do it? I haven't done it in quite a while because really, I don't care that much about people anymore. I used to think that I could possibly help teach somebody something. I'll do that here on Unbothered, but that's because most of the people that listen to me are already like open to different types of thinking and accept that, you know, I do try to put different ideas out there and just kind of, yeah, you can disagree or you can agree. But either way, I'm just saying this might be another way to look at something. So when it comes to that, I don't respect that tactic from my friends on the right because then it swipes at your credibility because I don't know what it is that you're saying that's true and what it is that you're saying that's just to cover up that you don't want to own that you shared something or posted something that could be construed as racist, homophobic, transphobic, queerphobic. Excuse me. I'm yawning again. Mama's back on her shit. Apparently I'm yawning. So it is what it is. But, you know, this is what probably day three. 30 or something like that of me being sober. I don't know what this is, but yeah, I've been sober for a good minute now and I'm happy with it. I am. I was listening to sad guru again. If you guys aren't familiar, check him out on YouTube. I like him a lot, but I was listening to him again last night and he was saying that, you know, the kind of the good times are as important as the bad times, you know, like the buildup, I think is the way he put it is, sometimes as important as the meltdown or sometimes the meltdown is even more important. And that's the way I feel with everything that happened. When I think about everything that happened, you know, when I was having that stuff with tricks or Jimmy Kimmel's sister or any of the people that I've mentioned in the last month and a half or whatever that was, it was Mother's Day, I think, was when all that. No, it was Easter when all of that was going down because I did the Good Friday episode. And so... When I think about everything that's gone down and the way that it all went, I don't regret any of the way that it went down. Aside from like I maintain always me letting loose on Jimmy Kimmel's sister. And like I said, only because I shouldn't have let myself get out of control because I know it's Florence Scovel Shin that said the man that can't control his emotions can't control his world. And so I should have been better about that and I will work to do better in the future. But this is how we learn. You know, this is and really we'll learn lessons over and over throughout our lives and certain lessons will hopefully learn the first time. But if we don't, then we just learn them again. We learn them until we they stay set in. And if they don't, then they don't. But you know, that's the only thing I regret. But I don't regret calling out joke thievery. I don't regret 
calling out people trying to play head games behind the scenes. I don't regret any of that stuff. And I hope that in the future, even though some people have vilified me since then, I hope that in the future, the next time somebody comes out and like says something that's actually valid, because that's what nobody wants to really talk about. And I don't care anymore because I don't care if anybody wants to talk about this stuff or not at this point. But nobody really wants to mention because I'll see people that, you know, haven't talked to me since then or I haven't seen since then. And I wouldn't say hadn't talked to me like it's a bad thing or like they're mad at me or whatever. It's just if I don't see you, then I don't talk to you. I'm not a phone person. We've already discussed that. And on social media lately, I've been doing so much to promote my upcoming residency, June 11th and 12th, two shows a night, 8 p.m. and 10 p.m., and that's going to be running. We're just doing a two-month trial run, but we'll extend it out if things go the way that I want them to. And, you know, I and I've made really good progress with what I'm doing as far as the streaming. And I have a particular strategy and I have a particular plan. And it's just a matter of putting it into action. And, well, I've already started putting it into action. And so, you know, it's just a matter of continuing with that cycle, which is also something Sadhguru had mentioned. He mentioned that if you change directions of what you're doing every couple of minutes, then you're never going to get anywhere. So you just got to take one way, you know, or decide that one thing is your goal and works towards that work towards that goal. And that just makes perfect sense. And so all of my energy is dedicated to that when I'm on social media, even though I had a few times where I I did step in to defend Alex Elkin a few times because they were able to cancel his show effectively. When we did the podcast episode, they were trying to cancel the show. And then he added fire to or gas to the flames, which that I witnessed myself. And I'll talk about that. But anyway, neither here nor there. Outside of that, I'm really not spending a lot of time, you know, when I'm promoting and stuff outside of promoting, I'm really not spending a lot of time on social media just for the fun of it or chatting with friends on social media. So one of the things that when I run into people, it's like nobody thinks I was lying. Nobody thinks that, you know, anything I said was untrue. They just didn't necessarily like the way I said it, which makes no sense to me. Because if somebody were stealing your car and you said, hey, motherfucker, you're stealing my car. or This motherfucker tried to steal my car. You know, if you stop them from stealing your car and then you said this motherfucker tried to steal my car. And then the thing that people wanted to talk about was, well, you didn't really have to call him a motherfucker. It's like, okay, so that's what we're worried about. And that's really the thing. People don't have a problem or don't disbelieve what it was I was saying. I haven't met a single person that doesn't think I was telling the truth. That's 100% what it is. So whoever feels whatever way about that being what the facts are, and whatever lies they're telling you when people are talking to me, everybody agrees that, yeah, that very likely was exactly the way everything went down. So there's that. But what people don't like is that I decided to just <laughs> break it down. And I don't like for me that part I don't regret. So it's, you know, because here's the thing that will happen in that kind of situation for me is I won't have to deal with anybody doing that to me again because people will know that there is a definite consequence. And 
with the number of views that that particular episode got, it really did exactly what I needed it to do. It got about 10 times the views as anything else that I've been doing. And I wanted to call that out and call attention to that for several different reasons. Like I said, the head games, imagine if people were playing, like this is where people don't get how it's a dangerous game that they're playing. And I know I've touched on this a little bit, but this is just going to be me really going into it. Say I wasn't me. Say I was a weaker person. Do you realize that honestly, a weaker person might have killed themselves over everything that was going on in that situation? You had friends getting mad at me or people I considered friends getting mad at me. And it was all for just doing the right thing. It was all for doing what you're supposed to do and taking the proper channels on your way to eventually doing that. So you all can continue to operate this way, but one day when you find that right weak person and they decide to end it because you all decided to gang up on them, remember that I warned you that this was going to happen because there are far weaker people by a lot on every comedy scene than me. Technically, I don't worry about me as much as other people do because... I live inside my body, I live inside my mind, and I know where it is I'm at. And at no point did that, at that, excuse me, while that was going on, did I feel suicidal. But I definitely did, at points, feel fucking bummed out by, you know, the amount of people that I genuinely thought were my friends. And pretend that they have your back you know they pretend yeah shit wherever you go down you know I have your back and then it's like well actually you didn't so I don't really know what you expect me to think about you or if you think that I respect you on any level I can be friendly with you I can be quote-unquote friends with you but that doesn't mean that I actually respect you because I know when shit doesn't go down you're not there and instead of getting bitter about that or instead of holding that against people, I won't do that. But what I've decided to do is, for the most part, I withdraw my support from everybody moving forward. Like these people, yes, we can continue to be friends, but we'll be friends by your definition. And that's because you made these rules, not me, you know. But I I do like that because it definitely does free me up because there have been times where I've gotten into it with people because I was trying to defend somebody or I was trying to take up for somebody, you know, where I just was like, yeah, that's wrong and you shouldn't do that to them. And I've had like blow ups with people where, you know, stuff like that has happened. So for me, I'm not really pressed about any of this. And, you know, I, I think that comes from the way that I handle things because I just will put everything out in the open. I think that that makes it so I don't hold on to a lot of stuff because if you feel like you've already said everything, then what's to hold on to? Am I mad at tricks? No, I'm not mad at tricks. I just needed him to stay away from stealing my jokes. And now that has been accomplished. So we move on. And by we move on, I mean he goes his way and I go mine. And if he ever wants to apologize to me like a man, I'm here for it. DJ Sandu, same type of situation when he called me asking me about my mental health, my mental status. 
I mean, that was dumb and out of line, but am I mad at him? No, because I don't think he's really, and I think he's an intelligent person. I think book smart, he's a, a smart person. But when it comes to actually dealing with people, I think he's probably kind of dumb. And so, and do I care if one day when they're apologizing to me, they're like, well, you called me dumb on your podcast. I'll be like, yes, I did. And I will feel that way for the rest of my life until you prove different. So, and anybody that knows me knows I will tell them exactly that person to person. I don't have these problems other people have where it comes to like, like this is the thing. Cause I was just recently told that people at a particular open mic were talking shit about me, which I would mention names, but the names will never matter. And you'll know, never know the names anyway, because these people aren't talented enough. And this is just matter of fact, this isn't even me being mean, but these people aren't talented enough to matter to anybody, not even themselves. And you can tell by the way that they conduct themselves. You can tell by the way that they have opinions about me, which really there should be no opinions about me from these open micers. But whatever it is, it is. But a friend of mine was telling me that some open micers were saying some negative things about me. And I was just like, I don't care what these people say. And the reason I don't care about what these people say is because I guarantee you when I walk into a room and these people are there, they're all going to shut their fucking peasant mouths that's what's gonna happen nobody's gonna approach me one of them the one that i heard was talking the most shit is always talking shit about my guest a couple episodes ago diaz Mackey, and i've seen him because you know i'll challenge somebody because that's you know we were cool i thought we were cool i found out secondhand that we weren't cool because somebody you know they were talking shit to somebody i know about me <clears throat> which is dumb and also like, you know, I talk to those people less and less like the friends that tell me what other people are saying about me. I just eventually let them fade out because I guess maybe they think they're doing something. But I really don't think they always think they're doing something good. I think that that's a weird backhanded way of trying to tear down at you because Really, I don't need to know these things. If that person wanted me to know that, then they would have approached me and said that. But like I said, they'll never do that. So it's not something that I'm worried about. But at the same time, when I have people that call themselves my friends or want to be close to me, and then they're telling me this person is saying this about you, I wouldn't trust that person, that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, why do you want me living my life in that kind of doubt? Because it's not going to change the way that I operate or the way that I move. I'm cooked. You know, I mean, like I'm too old for that at this point like I'm not gonna suddenly turn into the kind of person that really cares what people think because I've gotten to a point in my life and I this was several years ago that I really realized this where nobody matters you know like yeah you have people that are cool and the people that matter because there are people that actually matter you know so I don't mean that as just a blanket statement nobody matters but anybody that's trying to do anything negative to you then this is a tip from Ty Rivera right here anybody that's trying to do anything negative to you whether it's through physical action or just through their words does not matter because important people people that do matter aren't wasting their time speaking negatively about other people. 
you know, if you have something to say to somebody or if you feel like something needs to be hashed out, to me, that's a valid thing to do. That's an on the up and up thing to do. But as far as just shit talking people that in a lot of cases haven't done anything to you and more importantly, don't have an opinion about you, those people don't matter because that's where I'm at. You know, like with the people that I've been told have been talking shit about me. I'm just like, yeah, I never think about that person. So I don't know why I was so heavy on their mind that they thought to talk about me because the only time I think about that person is when I see them. And that's usually because they come up to me and hug me or give me a handshake. Usually I get hugs from people. So, you know, um, that's the extent to which any of these people are on my mind. I mentioned my residency coming up. That's something I worked hard on and it's something I'm working hard on now. And it's something that I've, I realized I said hard on a couple of times. I'm a child anyway, but, uh, yeah, that's something that I'll continue to work hard on. And, uh, it, that's where my focus is. So all the other stuff, I just tune it out, you know, like I've been selling the streaming for my, my residency, the opening weekend, cause I'm not going to do streaming every weekend, but that first weekend I'm going to stream. And so, um, I know so many people across the country want to see me and so many people want to support me. And so many people have sent me cause it's $10 for the streaming and you can hit me up if you want to check it out. This isn't meant to be a plug, but since we're talking about it, I might as well plug it. And you know, the residency is at the Thunderbird hotel, which if you're not familiar with the history of the Thunderbird, one time in the 70s, Red Fox did a show there and everybody got excited. I think it was 76 or something like that. Uh, and everybody got excited because they wanted to see Sanford and Son, you know, the guy from Sanford and Son. And obviously this was before the Internet. So it was when everybody's eyes were fresh. Their ears were kind of fresh, too, apparently, because when they went to see him, went to go see Sanford and son. They ended up getting red Fox, which red Fox has always been a super dirty or had always been a super dirty, just raw comedian. Sound familiar? So that makes me a perfect fit for the Thunderbird. People got offended and stuff. And so now, you know, I doubt people get, people really don't get offended by what I do, even though I talk about a lot of quote unquote offensive things. It's rare that anybody has any real feelings about it because I'm good at what I do. And you can tell that it's jokes. And if anybody did have a problem with it, that's not something I'm worried about. Just because if you can't understand jokes within the context of a comedy show, then I'm not trying to appeal to you anyway. And I don't have a network deal. So, and I'm not going to get a network deal. It's not like NBC's beating down my door, ABC, CBS, Fox, none of them. And that's not even where I want to be because then you put yourself in the position. Would I love the money? Yes, I would love the money, but I wouldn't set myself up for that kind of failure unless there was a foolproof contract where even if I got fired for something that I said off air or it's something that I had done in my past, they still had to pay me out. Where's my pen, bitch? Grab me my, get me my pocketbook. We signing this contract. I would definitely do that. Yeah, 100%. But if it was any kind of like, we don't have to pay you and this will be a huge waste of your time, which in the contract is not going to say it in those words, but you know, it'll be legalese for that you like how i threw in legalese but uh it would be legalese for that that they would end up putting in you know this would be a huge waste of your time and we don't have to pay you anything and technically we could sue you because sometimes that's in the contract too that technically they could get damages from you because you didn't disclose that and i 
it would be impossible to do that with me because I would be like, look, I'm disclosing everything. I've said everything at some point. So whether it was, you know, when I was five years old, 10 years old, 20 years old, <clears throat> that's about as old as I got to now. Um, but, you know, a person's a person's past can only be so long. Anyway, I've said every single thing that you can possibly say. So if there's any kind of clause in there, let's not even fuck with each other. Cause or like I said, let's sign it and we'll both roll the dice. But you're the one really rolling the dice because you have to pay me out no matter what. So then I would do it. But like, no, I'm not subjecting myself to that. And I don't want to be at those people's mercy anyway. And I don't mean necessarily the network people, even though I've heard network people can be a bit of a nightmare. But it's really I don't want to be at the mercy of the general public in that way. Like when you're doing something with the network, then you do have to appeal to the more SJW type social justice warrior types, you know. And I'll be honest, I really have no interest. I don't want to make those people happy. I don't care what those people think about anything. That's just the way I'm built now, you know, because I've gotten so used to being me. And this is what a lot of people forget. And this ties in with the getting in arguments with people and that kind of stuff and where I'm at with it. Like, I won't. I won't hang out with anybody that thinks that I just like arguing or wants to hang out with me because of the controversy that's going on around me at different points or has gone on around me at different points. I think we're done with controversy really as far as the other comedians and stuff like that goes or that's what my hope would be. You know, I would just like to be harmonious in that situation or in those situations. But I think that sometimes people will be drawn to me because they think, you know, I'm going to hang out with you and I'm going to be a bad boy too. And it's like, yeah, you don't get the point of what I'm doing. I'm not trying to build a bad boy reputation. Really, I'd rather things not have gone down the way that they were. Anytime I've gotten into it with somebody, I've told you guys about it, like when I was on the road with different comics and they were tripping or whatever, that wasn't my ideal turnout. That wasn't what I wanted. What I wanted was for us to go on the road, everything to go the way that it was supposed to go and for us to come back and for it to be uneventful. And I've had that happen with more comics than the opposite has happened with, but just the opposite has always been more publicized and partly because of them and partly because of me and maybe I should have just kept my mouth shut and let these people talk about me that's something I consider too moving forward but also my circle gets tighter and tighter all the time and I'm fine with that I realize that at different points I've tried too hard to offer people opportunities and they haven't always deserved it you know there have been a lot of people that have let me down when I really was pulling for them you know it's the Tyra Banks moment we were all rooting for you but um it is really like that you know where I really wanted to help these people out and wanted to see them get ahead and that's what my thing was and then they realized that they had messed up at some point and I think a lot of times their panic button gets hit and they feel like they have to say something negative about me before I say something negative about them not realizing that for me, I would just not say anything at all. And I don't mean if I were them, I wouldn't say anything at all. I mean me moving forward, like in even those situations, after we had whatever run-in or situation we had on the road, <clears throat> I would just leave that alone and not try to 
make there be a consequence for them. It's never been a thing like that. You know, like when you take, for example, the Amy Blackwell situation, people made it seem like I blew that up. But technically, I let that go for a couple of days, even after she had done because what she did after she dropped me off in Michigan, which you should never leave another comedian. But like I said, I was happy with being left. So I'm not going to pretend like that's a real victimization. But, you know, in most cases, you're not going to have comedians as resourceful for me. Like this, again, is where people are taking a very safe bet because there was a point where I was in Michigan. I'm stuck at the hotel and I don't know. And I posted on Facebook like, you know, does anybody have the hookup on cheap flights? And a friend hit me up with a Southwest deal. I ended up not taking it because I was going to be like standby and it was a buddy pass, you know, and I didn't want to deal with that frustration at the end of everything. And I really appreciated it. It was only going to be like 60 bucks or something, but I didn't pay that much more, you know, maybe double that 113. I want to say was the number that I had to pay to fly myself back from Michigan at the but see that was only a quarter of the battle like what I had going on when I got left in Michigan like I had to figure out how I was going to get to and from the different gigs and then that's when I ended up meeting J.R. Williams who I ended up doing another tour with after that but you know he stepped in and he happened to be in Gaylord Michigan spelled Gaylord Michigan but he was in Gaylord Michigan and so he picked me up um, you know, at the, or no, I got dropped off the, the opener, <clears throat> excuse me, the guy that was like the opener for a few of the shows and then turned out to be the feature for some of the shows, which he got bumped up because Amy had chosen to leave. Um, he's gave me a ride to Gaylord because I was on his way to wherever he had to be for his next gig. And then we ended up meeting up afterwards, but Jr. picked up the slack, but there was a point where I didn't have a sound system which we needed to have a sound system. So I didn't have a sound system. I didn't have a car. I was stuck in Michigan. I don't know anybody in Michigan or didn't know anybody in Michigan. I didn't know how I was going to get back to Arizona. Like all of this was in limbo for me. I almost said limbo like a real Mexican. But all of this was in limbo for me, which I don't, Spanish isn't even my first language. English is the only language I speak. I speak a little bit of Spanish. So really, these little Mexican mistakes I do shouldn't be happening like this. I shouldn't ever be in limbo. But uh, yeah, so, you know, when all of those things are in limbo, you could drive somebody to a serious depression at that point. I suffered from no depression because I'm always like, you know what? I'm a cat. I'm going to figure this out. One way or another, this is going to go down. And guess what happened? It went down and it was great. And I ended up meeting J.R. Williams. But the thing that did make me have to respond was Amy, like almost immediately after dropping me off, like that same night, while I'm trying to figure out everything. And I contacted a bunch of friends and friends of friends. And it wasn't to get a ride. It really was to find a comedian because that's what I needed to do because I needed to have somebody feature for me and also somebody to drive for me. So like, you know, but the feature thing was more important. And if they had a sound system, that would be even better. Turned out JR had been doing his own show, self-producing. And so he had his own stuff. So that, of course, was very helpful. And he had a van and, you know, it just turned out to be perfect. But a lot of people would just dive into despair on that, you know. And that's where people are lucky that I'm not a lot of people. 
But besides how great I am, Amy went to, and this isn't meant to throw Amy under the bus, by the way. This is just to explain how these things happen. Amy went to a Walmart parking lot. Pause on that. Uh, went to a Walmart parking lot. You know she went to the Walmart before. Probably bought some snacks. Anyway, uh, she went to the Walmart parking lot and did an entire Facebook Live about me and how she felt afraid for her life when she was on the road with me which there's nothing i'm doing that makes anybody feel afraid for their lives what were you afraid i was gonna be bitchy to death or like what did you think i was gonna do um but anyway so she did this live where and she completely misrepresented everything so that's why i ended up doing my episode of unbothered about it which i didn't even get to do my episode of unbothered about it till like three days later and that's just because i had friends hitting me up and they were like hey did this happen or amy was saying this on her live and i had people talking about me that i had never met before and i was like why are these people asking me these dumb questions or even like assuming that this would be true like does any of this sound believable to you guys so i did an episode about it and i provided receipts which is something that i've always been known to do because i know that people are always going to pull shady shit on me or try to pull shady shit on me i know when it's going that way and i always hope it won't go that way but it always does and so maybe that's my negative thinking and I need to get out of that cycle. Or maybe, like I said, I just need to stick with working with the people that I know are cool and not give people opportunities because that's one thing people can't say about me. It's not like I'm not offering them opportunities. There's people that have gotten work off of situations that they fucked up for me or fucked up with me on, you know, like, but it is what it is, you know, but I like that's and so. When people get like, you know, oh, I need to hit him first because he's going to say something about me. No, I actually, in most cases, wouldn't even mention you. There's a situation that happened where I had to leave somebody and I just left it alone and I didn't make an episode about it or whatever. But, you know, and that was their bad conduct. And I don't know if they're mad at me and that's why they've never said anything about it or if they just don't want people to know about it or what the deal is. But for me, I'm completely all right with that because if we're both going to let it be dead, then let's both let it be dead. Why would I go digging it up and tell you guys the whole story and throw that person on their bus? That's not the way it's supposed to work for me. It's not professional even from my end as a headliner. You know, and I don't say anything because I know that other person, that person has done other tours and shows with other people and been perfectly fine. So maybe he was having an off week or maybe maybe he didn't like my personality towards the end or I know I didn't like his towards the end and I let that be known. But that was just because I had been putting up with this person for an entire trip. And at the end, when he was really being especially stupid and left us in a bad situation. Then I went ahead and decided to finally vent, but I had put up with that for a couple of weeks. You know, that was like a long one where I had put up with that. And so I, you know, I, but I don't hold hard feelings and I don't feel like throwing that person under the bus and I wouldn't say their name. So 
Amy and the other ones that have messed up when we've been on the road have never realized that I've been completely willing to not talk about these things. It's only when they tried to blow them up and misrepresent them that I felt like I had to say anything. And people assume that I like arguing or I like getting into it with people because I'm good at it. But the reason that I'm good at it is because of the circumstances that I've grown up in and the fact that I've had to defend myself physically and verbally since I was a kid you know when you're obviously gay whether you're admitting it or not in the town I grew up in in the state I grew up in and you're Mexican on top of it somebody's always coming to you with some shit so after this many years of dealing with that much shit it's just second nature for me to be good at it and words are my game so if you say something to me that's negative or something about me that's negative, I'm a comedian and not only am I going to say something back in a lot of cases, I'm going to say something that's funnier and I'm going to say something that people are going to get some entertainment out of and that's why people say that I'm good at it. But nobody should ever mistake me for actually liking any of this because I would have preferred to have a chill, let's just get stuff done career. But I've had people threatening me or doing shitty stuff to me since the first time I went on the road. The first time I ever went on the road, um, this girl was so mean to me. And it was because she was mad because she bombed really bad, like bad, bad to the point where and she doesn't do comedy anymore. I wouldn't say her name, though, because, like I said, no hard feelings, but it just is what she what it is, you know. And when I say no hard feelings, what's to have hard feelings about? She doesn't do stand up anymore. Clearly, I won. But anyway, um, I know petty way to look at it, but funny, right? Silly. But really, I don't care. I don't have hard feelings towards her. Plus, she lost an eye. And, you know, once somebody loses an eye and not over anything I did or on that trip, I had nothing to do with her losing an eye. But um, she did lose an eye. And I didn't know she had lost an eye. This is a quick story. I'll tell you guys. This was back in MySpace day, days. And this was when her eye was just in jeopardy because she wasn't managing her diabetes properly. And um, I didn't know what was going on because after we had that blow up, you know, in the city that we were at because we were out of town. It was the first time I went on the road. Um, and I'll finish telling that story in a second, but I'm just going to tell you guys when she thought I was being catty with her when I wasn't even thinking about her. There was a point in MySpace days, I don't know if you all remember, but a lot of people were posting just a picture of an eye. And I, I did not know that this person was going through any kind of, I didn't know their health situation. I knew they had diabetes. They ended up having like a diabetic seizure I think it was when we were at the it was like a Shelby drink your juice moment not being silly but that's what it was like steel magnolias where she just shorted out for a second and at first because I was sleeping on the floor and they were sharing the bed because they were a couple her and the feature she came along as a guest set um, I thought that she was I thought they were fucking and then all of a sudden I got like why am I only hearing one person you know why am I only hearing her like uh 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 because that's what she was doing and then so I finally was like I don't want to be a creep but I got to see what's going on you know what I mean not if they're fucking because I had at that point gathered that they definitely weren't fucking well it turned out that while I was asleep she had 
I guess, sensed that she was going to go through a seizure. And she decided, so she asked him to go get her some fruit. And so, or get her something to eat, get her some fruit, whatever. Um, because it came back with an orange. That's why I say that he must, she must ask for fruit. And so when I like peeked on the bed, I saw her and it looked like she was kind of shorting out. It wasn't like the other kind of seizure. Cause I've seen a lot of seizures in my life or a fair amount of seizures in my life. And it wasn't the other kind of seizure. You know, it was, um, it was more like a shorting out. Like it looked like she just got caught on a loop, you know? And so, um, and she was on the bed and it, so, um, anyway, uh, that happened. And I, so anyway, I didn't know her health situation other than the fact she had diabetes. I didn't know that it, you know, whatever had happened with her eye and she hadn't been managing it properly. I didn't keep up with her after all that. And this was over a year after all that stuff happened. You know, I want to say even longer than that, like maybe two years. Yeah, probably closer to two years after all that had happened. So I'm not thinking about this person at all. And we weren't connected. And MySpace wasn't like facebook where you know you could just see everybody's business like that i mean you could but not really you were just on your friends walls and you had your top eight and yeah you had a feed but if you weren't friends with somebody their stuff wouldn't just pop up or i didn't see a lot of that so anyway my point was i didn't know what was going on with her but i knew that a lot of people were posting just a picture of their eye you know it was just like and in a lot of cases, it would be fat girls. I don't want to be mean, but that's what it was. Maybe I was a fat girl and didn't realize it. But anyway, at one point, I decided to do an eye pick, you know. So I took a picture of my face, and then I just cropped out my eye or, you know, cropped it, and then all of a sudden it got bigger. And then I put it in the default picture, and I just put the caption, everybody else is doing it, why can't I? I spelled E-Y-E. And... Maybe a couple days or week after I posted that, you know, like I put that as my default pic because it was just my profile picture for that little while. I get a message from her and she was like, it's clear you've been wanting to start shit with me for a long time. So I'm going to give you what you've been begging for. And she tried to go on this rant. And I was just like, I wasn't even thinking about you. I didn't even know that that had happened. I mean, like. I may be like bitchy sometimes or whatever, but I wouldn't like do that, you know, I mean, and not just because it's just a shitty thing to do, but also because the public is going to turn on you if you do that. You know what I mean? Like people aren't going to be supportive of that. They're going to be like, what the fuck's the matter with you? Even my best friends would be like, what the hell is the matter with you talking about this person's eye when they're about to lose it? They're, and it turned out she was having benefits or she had a benefit coming up and then you know of course once you bring it to my attention then suddenly it's everywhere I start to know but before that I didn't know I wasn't thinking about her but she had been really shitty with me they had been really shitty with me and it really was just a thing where she got booked on the show like she wasn't even supposed to be on the shows but then she got on the shows and then she bombed to the point where the next day the owner came in you know, because the owner wasn't there on the Thursday or whatever, the first night we were there. Um, and we were both just doing guest sets. I was doing guest sets. She was doing guest sets. We were each supposed to do seven, five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. She ended up doing, I can't remember. I wish I remembered the exact because there was a whole uh, nine minutes and 34 seconds or I think that's what it was. 
Uh, I can't remember, but it was way over your actual time. And when you're doing guest sets, especially when you're an open micer like we were, because we were both like new open micers. She had been doing it a little longer than I had. But like when I tell you I was an open micer, I was a true open micer. You know, I was like maybe two years in comedy, maybe. And I think that's generous. I think it was probably more like a year and a half. But I was good and I had a car. And so, you know. The feature needed reliable transportation so that he could take the headliner and his car wasn't going to do it, but he wanted to go make that money. And so he asked me and they were like, we'll pay for all the gas. And I was like, yes. And then I ended up finding out who the headliner was. And I was a huge fan of the headliner. She was really great. I still think she's really great to this point, to this day. But I don't really think she does stand up anymore. Um, you know, I I think her health has declined to the point where she can't really. And she's older, you know, uh, like I knew her from when I was a kid watching comedy when I was nine years old. So, you know, she's got some years on her. I was watching her as a grown woman on TV. She was a grown woman, not me watching her as a grown woman. I was nine years old. So a grown woman. But I was watching her while I was a kid and she was already a grown woman and now you know she's much older because when I met her like I said this is me two years into comedy so that's also 16 years ago now and so you know um the way that all played out was I really yeah I ended up finally getting mad because like they were treating me like shit after she bombed and then so the owner comes in the next day you know because she was already salty because she bombed and I killed it and that was just the way it went I just killed it you know because I knew to only do my good stuff and so she bombed and the owner comes in the next day and immediately beelines for the headliner who he had a lot of respect for. You know, she's been around forever and she's really good. She had a, a CBS or an ABC sitcom. Uh, I think she was the first black woman to ever have an ABC sitcom named after her, you know, her own. So if you want to do a little research on her. I don't mind saying her name, Thea Vidal, because I'm a Thea Vidal fan and I will be for the rest of my life. I don't care if she word a bomb for the rest of her life but she's the first time where i saw that that fucking beast you know what i mean like the adult there's something that the old school comics have and i'm i'm sure i'll get it eventually but like there's there's just this thing they have that's completely different than everybody else and it's not about the material it's not it's just that presence it's just that confidence it's just that i guess from doing it 20 30 years so maybe i have two years to go because you know i'm 18 years in but like you know they just have this different thing and she had that and that was the first time i saw that so the punishment was worth it on that level but what happened was they were just treating me like shit because when the owner came in he literally told the headliner he was like the girl i got a bad report about her from my staff and apparently she bombed and he was like, she is not. And I'm sitting right next to the headliner hearing him tell her this. And he was like, she isn't. And I was trying to stare off into space and act like I wasn't hearing, you know, because I was in an awkward position because I was friends with the girl and I didn't want her to do poorly. You know, I didn't feel like her doing poorly was going to make me look better or whatever. We can all do great. Like, that's the way comedy works. That's the way it should work is it should just be a great show. And so anyway, so the owner immediately says the girl is not to go up again. That's just what it is. She is not going up on my stage again. And he was very clear and said it in, 
you know, he was very clear in his communication with that. And so the because Thea, the headliner, had liked me, you know, especially because we hadn't really got to know each other like that. But she liked my strength than that I was gay and that I performed like that. And Thea is bi. She identifies as bisexual. And I feel like she's pretty open about that. Either way, I'm not outing her. She's open enough. You know, maybe some people don't know it, but that's on them. She's very open about herself. Um, and so she had a lot of respect for me, especially being up and coming new. And then back then, you know, being that and we were in a city that wasn't necessarily the most open to that. And I fucking killed it. And there was like a bachelor party or something. Everything was set up for me to fail. And technically everything was set up for the other person to succeed because she was a white, cisgender, straight, fairly attractive young lady. You know, she wasn't well, she wasn't young young but you know and that's not me being shady it's just but you know she looked young and so she should have really been the one to kill it and i should have been the one to bomb just by society standards you know she had a lot going for her and she was a decent looking girl i didn't mean that part it was a mistake you know like that she was a good looking girl she's pretty enough and so like it should have gone well for her but it didn't and then she took that out on me and then it turned into a thing because i put up with it for two days after that, you know, where they were really because, you know, that's his girlfriend, the feature's girlfriend. And so she's got to be she's going to be mean to me or then he knows he's got to be mean to me, too, or at least, you know, indifferent while she's doing it and not call her out on it. So I was getting abused by them. And then, you know, I did finally lose it when she pretended to accidentally knock a drink on me but it was so obvious and even the headliner was like i just saw her do that and i was like so did i you know and my pants were all wet it was vodka she had had a martini and it was in a martini glass and yeah and but there were just several different things that finally led me to be like yeah fuck this bitch you know and so then i didn't like her anymore but you know, I cussed her out on that trip. So I didn't feel like there was anything left for me to be mad about because I had gotten it all off my chest. So when she hit me up with the, you know, it's clear you want drama because you have this as your, what's it called? And I have my iPhone. I was like, <clears throat> I haven't been thinking about you ever since we had our situation at that club. So. I don't know what you're tripping off of right now. I'm sorry to hear about your eye, but that's not at all what my motivation is. And even back then, I think people should have known about me that I'm just way too confrontational for that stuff. You know, like with that situation when it happened with tricks, I mean, like I immediately walked up to him. I didn't like try to, oh, I'm just going to take this straight to the Internet, you know, because that's the kind of person I am. And so when it was this girl that was thinking that I was trying to talk about her on MySpace, I was just like, yeah, you clearly know nothing about me because I'm not hinting at anything. And, you know, then she ended up losing her eye anyway. Like all the benefits in the world couldn't help that she wasn't taking care of her body, which I think kind of says a lot about everything that was happening and a lot of what happens with the people that do end up hating on me. Because I think people do get tired of me because they think that maybe my life is easier than it is or more perfect than it is because I don't 
unload a lot of my problems if you notice even here on unbothered it's i mean i'll tell you guys what it is that's going on with me or certain places that i feel like people are messing up but you notice i don't come at it from a victim mentality because i always feel like it'll turn around and i'll end up doing what i need to do like yeah maybe i had to call this out and maybe i'll even do less of it because the more clear-headed i get the more i just don't care about anything you know and we're back to where we were before i took that weed break which is what i want to say is i really feel like at the end of the day weed just isn't going to be a thing for me you know it's not something that i can consistently be on or be going on and off at i think i might be old enough that i'm just done with that i don't no promises because we know how i am and when i change my mind i change my mind so you guys are just going to have to allow me to be me. You're going to have to be the supportive partner that I don't have in real life. But that'll change too. Uh, people get more into me all the time. I don't know why. It's weird the way things are working out. But it's good. And I'm not going to pretend it's not. So stay unbothered.